like anything, we go into the Word of God, we always enter into prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for this Tuesday, the day that you, you bless twice, Lord. This is a day of double blessing, Father. And we just pray, Lord, that you open our ears, you open our hearts to receive your Word and your truth, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you are the God who loves us so much that within your word you gave us a road map, you gave us a compass, you gave us everything we need to sustain us in this life, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word is like a lens that focuses the rays of light onto our own lives within our bodies and through us, Lord, because everything was created by you. Jesus, you are all in all, and you are in everything, Lord. And everything in heaven and on earth is named by you. So, Lord Jesus, we give this time to you. We thank you that you will come and be in our midst, Holy Spirit, and let your word pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for those of you who... Cell phones? Off, please. <laughs> No cuckoo clocks. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, we're now in the third part of our series of Jesus, the Word of God, and DNA. Um, for those of you who haven't been here, I do have and have sent out emails to people to receive um, this Word. And it's absolutely incredible when we start looking at the details of the Word of God and how Every letter, every place name has a specific purpose. Um, Paul says to Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. This is the breath of God. So, many of you know this picture. It's taken from the Sistine Chapel. It's uh, the creation of Adam, which was uh, Michelangelo's interpretation and uh, if we look at the, at the Bible, and what does it say about the finger of God? And the law was given to man through the finger of God. Um, actually, God spoke creation into existence. He spoke us into existence. He didn't use his finger to create us. He spoke into existence. So, if we look when the law was given to Moses, in the book of Exodus 31, it says, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of commuting with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And in Deuteronomy, which is just a collection of a number of sermons, it's five sermons that Moses gave at the end of his life. Um, he's talking to the congregation and he says, When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant, which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone, written with the finger of God. 
and of them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and nights that the Lord gave me two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. So this is the old covenant. And last week we spoke about the left and the right, the reflection of our man, and the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so now this is looking at the establishment of the Old Covenant, and God wrote it with His finger. Now, 40 days and 40 nights, the law was given. That number is quite familiar to some of us, and where else does this appear in the Scripture? So Moses was 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God, before the law was written by God's finger on the tables of stone. So what else happened in that period? Noah's ark and the flood, uh, which was the judgment by water. So in Genesis 7, verses 4 and 5, it says, For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made I will destroy from off the face of the earth, and Noah did according to, unto the, as, as the Lord commanded him. And in Genesis 8, after the waters had receded, so before the flood, it was 40 days and 40 nights of rain. After the flood, when the ark came to rest upon the mount, it says, and when the water decreased continually until the tenth month, in the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountain seen. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days, that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. So there was a period of 40 days before, and there was a period of 40 days after the, you know, after the waters had receded in the flood. So after the flood, and this is Genesis 8, it says, And the ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventh, seventeenth day of the mountains of Ararat. For those who want to know where the, the Ark of the Covenant is, it is in Turkey. It's on, just on the south of Mount Ararat, and they have actually discovered it. And they've discovered the metal framework and the ribs of the Ark. Um, and the water decreased continually until the ten month. In the ten month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountain seen. Now, in the Jewish calendar, their, their calendar is based on the lunar cycle. This was 40 days that it rested. This is another period of 40 days. That 40 days of rest in the womb of the ark. Because the ark was still closed. And then it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent forth the raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. So that raven never returned. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for her soul or of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her unto him into the ark. And he stayed there yet another seven days. And yet again he sent the dove out of the ark. And the dove came, in, came to him in the evening. And in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from all the earth. And then he stayed yet another seven days, 
and put forth the dove, and return not again unto him any more. This is a story that we've, we've all known. But the way the Holy Spirit has tied this together is absolutely incredible with this period. Every detail by design in the Bible. We know the story so well. And the way the Hebrews measure time and seasons or periods. Seven represents the completed work of God. Because God created the earth in six days, the seventh day he rested. And now we're going to learn what 40 represents. What also happens in 40? A baby reaches full term in 40 weeks in her mother's womb. This is for a new pregnancy. And time in Hebrew is measured as a season or a period of time. It's not as we... We measure by the Gregorian calendar, which is a, a solar calendar. The Hebrews measure by the moon and they measure by the season. So whether it's sowing time or harvest time. And it's an appointed times. So that their periods are different to the way we understand it. Because we've been educated in the Greek mindset. So the time in Hebrew is measured as a season. So 40 represents the full maturation of the baby in the womb and as a mother and in the last three discussions you've seen how we've brought in the baby inside a mother's womb so Moses when he received his calling from God from the burning bush Moses his birth and rebirth and in Acts 7 coming back to Stephen again this man gave the Pharisees and the Sadducees such a history lesson. Incredible. And once again he says, And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of the fire of the bush. Moses was forty years old when he left Egypt. God prepared him for forty years in the desert. Before God appeared in the burning bush only to perform ten miracles of plagues to lead the nation back into the wilderness for another 40 years to give him the ten commandments the law of God to enter into the promised land of milk and honey the pattern through the word of God so the birth of a nation and the rebirth of a people chosen by God. Um, one of the first books that, that God actually had me study was the book of Numbers. At the time it seemed very obscure, but there are so many lessons in the book of Numbers for us as Christians and believers. And about this period of proving and trying that the people went through before they went into the, the promised land. So the, the birth of a nation and the rebirth of a people by God. And Moses sums this up in, in the book of Exodus. He says, And the children did eat manna forty years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna, and they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. And in Deuteronomy 8, he says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee 
led thee forty years in the wilderness to what? To humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart. See, it's the three processes, the purification of the people. And he says, whether thou wast keep his commandments or not. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, and thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the word of God doth man live. And thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. So their clothes never came off. And if we just remember last week we discussed about the vellum that God placed upon Adam and Eve after they had eaten of the fruit, the animal skin. Their clothes didn't grow old, the garments. And then we tied that into Revelation with the garment that Jesus promises us. So their the shoes never wore out, their clothes never wore out. They always received manna. And God humbled them, He proved them, and He tested what was in their heart. So the Old Testament is like, in the Greek the word is tupos, which, which is where we get the word prototype from. It works in a pattern. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And prophecy in the Hebrew mindset is about a pattern. Not A equals A or B equals B. It's A, B, C, D, E will lead to F. So when we understand the way the word of God is written, and we can understand the, the patterns. So we look at now when Jesus, he receives the Holy Spirit after being baptized by John. So Jesus goes off into the wilderness. And how long was he in the wilderness before the Holy Spirit came down and before he started his ministry? So he received, he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. And then he went straight into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to, to be tempted of the devil. And it said, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And then in Luke 4 it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him throughout the region about. Do you see the pattern that's forming through scripture? The pattern of birth and rebirth of an individual or of a nation or of a people that is chosen by God. So the pattern of proving and trying a person in this period. And in Noah... You had the 40 days of rain, which was the judgment by water. And the ark rested on the seventh month through the tenth month before the window was opened, which was a period of 40 days on the Hebrew calendar. And at the 40th day of rest, the dove was sent out three times over a period of three weeks. Now, if we take the 40 days of judgment and the 40 days of rest, 40 plus 40 is 80. If you guys remember from last week's teaching, how many bones were in the core skeleton of man? 80. How many times is the temple mentioned in the New Testament? 80 times. 
This is the patterns. And, he, and Moses, when he was given the old covenant, 40 years of proving before the burning bush, then he spent 40 days and nights on Mount Sinai to receive the law on the two tablets of stone, and then 40 years for the rebirth of a nation to enter into the promised land. It's the 40 and the 40 again, which equals exactly the number of bones in our core man. You know, if we look at our skeleton, I mentioned we, we have our outer limbs, which are the movement, but our core from our skull to our waist, there's 80 bones. And then Jesus, who is the new covenant, so the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, he's tempted three times. Just like the dove was sent out three times, Jesus was tempted three times. And he actually quotes that scripture, man shall not live on bread alone. And on the 40th day of proving and temptation, Jesus starts his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And his ministry was for three years. And he was 30 years old when he started his ministry. And then the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was three days and three nights. And we know Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. Now, King David was 30 years old when he became king. How long did he reign? 40 years. Now, we're getting into the right hand of God. Now, King David, and I wanted to highlight this because the prophecy was that from the root of Jesse, from the root of David, shall the Messiah come. So David was 30 years old. He reigned for 40 years as king. And he wrote the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms 1611, he says, Thou shalt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in Psalm 18, verse 35, it says, For thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. And in Psalm 20, he says, Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven in the saving strength of his right hand. Jesus is the right hand of God. As I said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Because now if we look in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, it describes Jesus as being at the right hand of God. And in Mark it says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And in Luke 20 it says, and David himself has said in the book of Psalms, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, and till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If you remember from the first teaching, we spoke about how the earth is God's footstool, and the heavens is his throne. And in Acts 7, Stephen again but being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked steadfastly up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So there in the Psalms, Jesus, the volume of the book is written of him. Let's have a look at our, our right hand. There are 27 bones in our hands. Okay? How many books are in the New Testament? 27 books. The New Covenant. This, the, our hand is probably one of the most complicated design with our bone and our muscle structure and what we're able to do with our hands. You know, no other mammal, no other animal that's ever been created can has a hand like we have. Yeah, some of the others, they can't, they don't have the dexterity, they don't have the ability to, to create the movement. Most animals only have sort of a paw, they don't have a thumb. And if we look at our fingers, and we look at the ratio of the design of our fingers, God's ratio is in this as well. So, if we take the first bone and the second bone, we take that measurement, it equals exactly the same as our third bone. And if we take the second and the third bone, it's exactly the same measurement as the fourth bone. So the ratio, God's spiral, God's ratio is within our hands as well. And so the four fingers that we have, it's like those four chambers of the heart. Also the four points of the compass, the four directions, the four Gospels, the four fingers. If we look at the walls of Jerusalem, there are four walls on Jerusalem. And within each of the four walls, if you take a finger, you've got one, two, three bones. How many gates on each side of the wall? Three gates. One for each tribe. You have twelve gates. So we have... Three, six, nine, twelve. You've got twelve bones in your fingers. So, this twelve, as I said before, represents God's completed promise. Not completed works, completed promise. Hence we have the twelve tribes, the twelve apostles, the foundations, twelve plus twelve, the ribs, you know, twelve on the left, twelve on the right, twenty-four, twenty-four elders, 24 courses of the priests. But if we take the, the four fingers with the 12 bones, and the, the, so we, in, in, the, in the New Jerusalem, we have 12 foundations and 12 gates. Once again, 24. And if we just do a little bit of quick maths, as I call it, um, Gematria is, 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 is taking numbers and adding the value of them together. So if we take the Gematria of 12, so it's 1 plus 2 equals 3, which is the Trinity, Triunity. It's our God. All within our hand. It's all here. In the right hand, Jesus, the right hand of God. And this, when I was an unbeliever, was one of my favorite painters. A guy by the name of Salvador Dali. And I've actually seen this painting. And, you know, he's... He's the only artist who's actually truly captured the crucifixion in the multidimensionality of it. Because Jesus died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He included time. 
in the dimension of the crucifixion. So it's not just, it's, it's a hypercube, that's, that's what it's called. It's a four-dimensional cube that is crucified on. So the multi-dimensional death of Jesus. So Salvador Dali captured this hypercube. And one of the greatest discoveries of modern science is that time is a dimension. And we live in a multi-dimensional universe. There will be a teaching, I'll get into all the different dimensions. But I just want to highlight this fact, that we all know we live in a three-dimensional space. The length, the breadth, and the height is the three dimensions. And then times the depth, which if we look on the, on the cross, the depth there, so forward and behind, is time. And what does Paul say about this? Now this is way before modern science. This is what the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul in Ephesians 3, verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that the world would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in his love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love. And now, and to know the love of Christ with parts of which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. What a beautiful prayer this is of Paul. But in this the Holy Spirit is revealing the dimensionality of God's love. Because it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was the love of God that held him. Because he, it, was, he, it was on the tree he made and the hill that he formed. But it was his love that held him onto the cross for you and I. And never lose sight of that. And... Thank you, Jesus. We've looked at the, the design of Solomon's temple. And I just want to go and look at the design of the wilderness tabernacle that was given to Moses in the wilderness wanderings. Okay? And in the, in the tabernacle, in Exodus 26, it says that you are to make boards for the tent. 20 boards for the south side, and you are to make 40 silver sockets under the 20 boards, and two sockets under one board for its two pegs, and two sockets for the next board and its two pegs. There are 20 boards, 10 fingers, 10 toes. There are two pegs, the left 
and the right hand. There are 40 silver sockets, and this is just the south side. The north side is exactly the same as this. I'm just highlighting this. So the 40 silver sockets represents the purification period. And for those of you who don't know this, it takes 40 days to break a habit or change behavior. This is what the Bible is telling us. 40 days is the period that is required, whether it be of fasting or of prayer, to break behavior. And why do they have rehabilitation centers today that only give 28-day programs? It should be a 40-day program. This is God's model of purification. This is God's model of birth. The baby is in the womb for 40 weeks. And to be reborn out of this behavior, it's that period of 40, is very significant. I really wish that the rehabilitation centers would get this. And I myself have been rehab, in rehab twice. I was a drug addict for more than 20 years. And so I speak from personal experience. But, and Jesus is the only one who can break all of those chains. And Chris knows with Gideon as well. Jesus has broken chains and the Taran to break the chains. You know, the devil tries to take our children, tries to take the youth away through all kinds of addiction. And he's not allowed. We as Christian parents need to stand on the word of God and say, Lord, to this point and no further, the enemy shall not encroach upon your people. So 40 on the south and 40 on the north, which is 80 silver sockets. Once again, silver sockets, the posts, and this is the central uh, tabernacle, no, no, not the surrounding court. So this is the north side and the south side where the holy of holies is and the holy place is. So 80 80 bones in our core structure. All here in this tabernacle as well. So in the, in the core actual bones of man. I just want to end on, 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 on this. That I used to, everything in the word of God is there by design. I used to read the book of Numbers and read that census. You know, where they're counting all the men of, of fighting age. And you would just go through it. Until I actually looked and counted the numbers of the men that were. And within the camp of the, the people in Jerusalem, there is the gospel. The cross. If you took the, the camp and you took the camp of, of Reuben, which was to the west, which, which had Reuben, Sibion, and Gad at 151,000. And then you had the camp of Ephraim, which had Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, which had 108,000. You had the camp of Judah, which is Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon, had 186,000. And the camp of Dan, you had Dan, Naphtali, and Asher. And then surrounding the tabernacle, you had the tribe of Levi camped around. And if you take the numbers of those men, 
and in the directions of the compass that they pointed, that they camped. The enemies of Israel on a hill above, they would see the cross. And there it is, the gospel, in the, in the desert, right from the beginning. And the signs and the banners that they held up, the sign of the man, the bull, um, the lion, and the eagle. This is the cherubim that sits at the throne of God in Revelation. This is the ensign. This is the cherub. This is from Daniel, the book of Daniel as well. The four faces, the four directions. And at the east side, which is where the entrance to the tent was, or to the camp was, we'll get into that. We'll see how Jesus will come through the east gate. So there in those numbers, in the details, is the cross, is the gospel. And just to end on this, have you ever thought of a cardboard box? Have you ever unfolded a box? You fold it, what is it? You get a cross. And then you fold it back into its pieces, into, you go through the stages, fold your box, and then you've got a cube. And if you take that cube, and you turn it on its side, You've got a hexagon. So if the cube is just on its point, so if the box is not from flat and goes to its point, you've got the hexagon, which is, and we'll get into next week, the fundamental building block of our DNA. The hexagonal molecular shape. Say so, Any questions? Yeah. I just add something. We're talking about measurements. Yeah. Now that was when I was 16 years old. Our age worked for me. doesn't work for me. If you take a piece of skin, you put it twice around your finger, it goes once around your legs. You take it twice around there, it will go around your neck. You take it twice around your neck, it will go around your neck. That's how God made us in proportion. But he doesn't know for me. Yeah, the waste is out of proportion. It's so incredible to the finest detail. You know, and the simple things. But you know, Craig, it's so incredible that how many times haven't we read through the Bible? Haven't we read different books in the Bible? And I just haven't made <coughs> Thanks for next week.
You want to know how big the new Jerusalem is? Mike is right on the money. If we had to overlay the new Jerusalem on a map, that's the size of it. 2,160 kilometers wide and breadth and high. Well, it would cover more than South Africa. South Africa needs it. Yeah. But just to give you a proportion, that is the size of the new Jerusalem that's coming. That awaits us all. But yet, the universe is finite. It, it has, has, has a beginning and an end. And modern astronomers have been able to discover that. And that's what's so amazing. Because all of us as children, we grew up, it's an infinite universe. We didn't have the Hubble telescopes. We didn't have all of these probes that they sent. And these uh, square kilometer arrays and things like that in like in, uh, where is that in the Karoo? SKA. Yeah, the SKA. Penalvin. Okay. There's something that worries me a big time. Okay, I didn't mind, can only go so far. But the floods, Noah's floods, wasn't just that part of the world where uh, that was flooded out, or was it the entire Universe, and as I say, my mind can't fathom that far. Can you try to explain that to me, please? Yes, of course. Um, it will come through in a, in a subsequent teaching when I look at mythology and I look at the fables and the tales of different cultures and uh, the flood myth or legend, as they call it, is through all cultures in South America, in Africa, in Asia, the Polynesian Islands, the Samoans, Hawaiians, all of them have a story of a great flood, a global, a global flood. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the different cultures and the tribes, they all have a story about this flood that came. And um, this global flood that happened, and then they obviously have different versions thereof, but there was in their records of oral tradition because obviously a lot of these tribes didn't write, they would speak through, through stories so they would tell it in stories to their children and that's how the, the stories developed and um, yes, it was a global flood and uh, I, I would be able to get into the science of that with you because before the flood there was no rain which is hard for us to believe because there were, there were waters of the heavens and waters of the deep. The atmosphere was a different, it was different to what it is today. This is why people lived such long years before the flood. There wasn't that um, atmospheric pressure, it was different. And then the waters of the deep would just bring a mist that would come up 
come a, across the, 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 the vegetation and that would be the moisture. There would be no clouds. There was no clouds or, or rain or, or rainbows before the flood. So, yeah, it's a very interesting because many of us, I mean, I still have a, a Sunday school image of what Noah's Ark and, you know, the animals went to three by two, we all know the song. And, but if we get to the point of, you know, actually seeing what it says in the Hebrew, it gives us a deeper understanding. And uh, one of the important things, it's very important for us to understand what exactly was happening in the days of Noah. Because in the end times, the Bible says that it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, we will be getting there. But this is the foundational understanding first, to understand God's greatness and understand our greatness as the temple of God. That He is placed and, and His fingerprint is placed all over us. That's what it is. I mean, when I say our greatness, it means we are in the likeness of Him. Not, you know, no servant is above his master. Okay. Should we pray? Let's have a communal prayer. Uh, as I say, whatever's on your heart, anybody have particular needs, let's just pray. Uh, let's pray for our community, let's pray for our fellowship, let's pray for our families, and most of all, let's pray for God's church, the bride, and that uh, the kingdom of God will increase this day. And pray for righteous leaders in our nation. We're having struggles there too. Lord, we cry out 
pray that you will touch our communities, Lord. That you will bring revival into this place, my God. And that you will start that revival with us. Lord Jesus, we bring our communities the lack and the want we bring to you. For you are the Lord, our God, our shepherd. And we pray for the salvation of our families. We pray that you will draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit. You will draw them out of darkness into your marvelous light. That you will transform our families, Lord, our communities, and our nation. That you will place leaders in place who know you personally. Who seek your counsel. That the name of Jesus will be made great in this nation. That we will come to know you intimately. That we will live by your word, obedient to you. And that the lives that we live will draw those who do not know you as personal Savior. That it will be our testimony that will change lives, Lord. For our people need you. We are nothing without you. We pray, Lord, that you will increase our knowledge of you. That you will hold us and mold us and break us and shape us. For you are the potter and we are the clay. My God, that others will come to know the fullness of Christ. A love which no human understanding can fathom. For there is no greater love than that of a man who lays down his life for a friend. Lord, we cry out to you desperately, my God. As we exalt your holy name, for there is no other name in heaven or on earth given unto man, whereby a man shall be saved. Lord, we cancel and we come against every spirit of false religion in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind the works of the enemy and we lose our families, we lose our communities, we lose our nation in Jesus' mighty name that we will seek you earnestly, Lord, for your word says, Ask. And it shall be given unto you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Everything we are is in you, Lord Jesus. In you we move, in you we breathe, in you we have our being. For it is by your will that we exist. So in you we have faith. For you say, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And we give you all the praise. We thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. And we worship and exalt your holy name. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Our Lord, our God, and our Savior. Amen and amen. There is none like you, Jesus. If it wasn't for your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to change us, Lord, not just to touch us, but to change our lives, to try and prove our hearts and refine our hearts as silver, Lord. As your word says, your words are like silver, purified seven times in the fire. So I thank you, Father, for this group, Lord. I thank you that your word cannot be chained. And I pray, Lord, that any form of tie or bondage that is in any of our families here in this fellowship, Lord Jesus, that you would bring deliverance. For you are the God of the possible, Lord Jesus. That your will is for your people to prosper. And your will is for your people to abound in blessings. But first we need to seek you and seek your face, Lord. We need to remain humble in your sight, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for the giftings that you have given this body and you give your church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up righteous men and righteous women in our families, in these communities, Lord Jesus. That your word will be read at the dinner table again, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word will be read as people rise up in the morning. And as people go to sleep at night, your word will be read. That people will pray to you. And they will seek you, Lord Jesus, in their homes, Lord. Because, Father, your word brings abundant riches into our lives. And you bring provision for what we need just for today, Lord. Lord, our treasure is not on earthly things, Lord. The things of this world are very dim. But it is your light of eternal glory and your light of eternal treasure and reward that we focus on, Lord. 
So whenever the circumstance begins to overwhelm us, Father, let us turn our eyes to you. And we know that as we trust and acknowledge you in all of our ways, that you, Lord, will make our path straight, Lord. So, Father, let this word spread from the houses and into the communities, from the communities into the churches, and from the churches into the, the leaderships of our time, into the governments, Lord. Let there be righteous decision and righteous counsel, Lord. Your, your word says that wisdom comes from hearty counsel. I pray, Lord, for the hearty counsel for our religious leaders, Lord, and for our political leaders, that you would place men and women of righteousness and men and women of faith around them, and that your angels will protect them, so that, Lord, this nation remains a nation for you. You have blessed this nation so much. Lord, do not abandon us like the Samson judgment, Lord, but keep your hand over your people in this southern tip of Africa, Lord. And let your kingdom advance, Lord. Let this be an increase of your kingdom this day and an increase of your light. Because when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot remain, Jesus.